millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production. In 1924, the pretty wife of a distinguished Boston surgeon came to embody a raging national debate over the values of the spiritualism movement, which was devoted to communication with the dead. Newspapers dubbed her the Blonde Witch of Lime Street, but she was known to her followers simply as Marjorie. Some called her a mystic and some called her a fraud. But this is a story of a woman who has also been called one of the most powerful mediums ever. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we investigate the life of Marjorie Crandon. Who was she and what did she do to cause such a controversy? Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Early in the March of 1923, a charming, pretty, upper-class Bostonite named Mina Crandon went to her first seance. She did it on a whim, almost as a joke, deciding to go while still out on her customary horse ride with her friend Kitty. Thus, Mina found herself in a spiritualist minister's study in the middle of the afternoon, still wearing her riding clothes and trying not to laugh. Then, the medium started to speak. He channeled a strapping blonde man Mina was shocked to recognise. Her brother, Walter Stinson, dead some dozen years. The medium knew things about him that he shouldn't have. He had a message for her from Walter. Far from making fun of clairvoyance, she was about to become one herself and one of the most powerful of the age. 
Mina resisted the idea. She was a ruthlessly clever woman who had never had much of an interest in ghosts before. But in the end, she found herself in the dark of her parlour, holding hands with her friends and channeling a spirit that would earn her international fame, that of her own brother. Welcome back to the studio, Anne. Oh, thanks, Aunty Nada. And you picked this one. I did. Oh, boy. Yeah, silly me. Um, no, it, I've always been fascinated with the age of spiritualism, particularly with the physical mediums. And uh, I suggested to Renata that we do this one. So it's a really interesting story. And uh, I think it will still fit perfectly with the true hauntings uh, genre. Yes, yes, it does. And then we sort of separated, and I, I, we do our bits of research, and um, we were ready to come back together. And I had this sudden dawning just before Renata was coming over that maybe I'd got two mediums muddled, and I quickly re- sort of messaged her and said, Renata. Did you do Mina Crandon or did you do blah, blah, blah? And she went, I did Mina Crandon, like you suggested. I went, oh, no, I've done the wrong one. <laughs> and then I probably went into a meltdown. Mm. I, but I, that's okay. You've got that information, yes, which I, is a bit saucy. I, it, I was actually saucy. a little bit worried about mm. doing it. I, if, I mean, we're going to have to put a little bit of an adults-only warning on this one. So, please, if there's kiddies around. This is not an episode for them to listen to because we will be talking about female genitalia. Oh no. (laughs) There'll be some saucy bits, so to speak. Mm. Uh, But the other one is, so we might do her in a a couple of episodes time, I reckon. Yeah. Oh boy. These stories are fascinating. Um, Rarely fascinating. And yeah, listening, guys, because this this is your first taste of um, what was going on in the spiritualist uh, community. Yeah, and we have both attended seances just like the ones that they're going to be talking about. Yes. So we can interject with our own personal experiences oh, yes. of what goes down in the seance room. That's right. So let me get on to the history here. And we are talking about a woman called Marjorie Crandon. And this case, this major episode of its time was known as the Marjorie case. And it was subject to a lot of public controversy because of all the articles that were written in the newspaper about her and her ongoing spats with someone who was very, very beloved and well-known at the time, Harry Houdini. Uh, Houdini himself, yes. Mm, So now apparently she could levitate. She could produce other psychokinetic phenomena, which we will be talking about, and her mediumship was led by what they call direct voice. And that was of a male who seemed to originate independently from her own voice box. And that was something that was tested over and over and over again. So when saying that, um, what we are talking about is the fact that you could literally stuff a sock in her mouth and she could still produce this noise, yeah. this voice. Yeah. So you, it wasn't a requirement for her to use her voice box and her mouth. And there's actual uh, photos if you want to look up um, the spiritualism when they had the external voice boxes where they would produce through ectoplasm these 
creations that would be external to them that mm-hmm. the spirits were supposed to use to talk through? Oh, wouldn't have this been fascinating if it was real? <laughs> but now, Renata. Okay. All we right. don't know for no, sure. We, don't, we, we don't. really actually don't we know don't. for sure. No, we don't. Um, You're just a grumpy old woman. <laughs> Gosh. So, Nina's... Don't bother listening anymore, no, people. No, so we, no, we've, we've solved no, this one. No, no, Renata no, no. says it's all crap, no. so we're just going to yeah go off and have a <laughs> no. have a, a sherry or I, something. Look, Get ready for I, Valentine's I Day. I do want to see one that I can sit in and go, I cannot believe this. I, it, but I, you I can can't. sense spirit, so therefore you have. Um, but but again, in saying that, you may sense spirit, but if there are other spirits in the room, they may not choose to reveal themselves to you. I'm just saying, I want to see one that I believe. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I've seen a lot more than you have, so um, yeah. I've I've yeah. seen some things that I cannot yep. explain. But yep. keep going, keep yep. going. Mina Stinson, that's who we're talking about. Yes. And she was born in 1888 in Princeton, Ontario, Canada, and she was the youngest of six children. Hey. And she grew up on a family farm. She was closest to her brother, Walter, and he was the elder brother by five years, and he was a railway worker, and he died in an accident in 1911, aged only 28 years old. Oh, wow. When a freight train wagon toppled off the tracks and crushed him. What a horrible, horrible way to die. Mm. So after she completed her secondary education at the age of 17, she moved to Boston. So that was quite well educated for... A woman. Yeah, in the mm. 19, early, very early 1900s. And she worked as a secretary in the uh, Union Congregational Church. Mm. And she was an accomplished cello player and oh. she performed in the church orchestra. Oh, I bet she knows Pachelbel Cannon, or shall we say Pachelbel? The bride <laughs> used to come up because I, I played in a, a string quartet trio for many, many years and the brides would always say, oh, I want the canon in D by Pachelbel. <laughs> and it was because they, they didn't know how to say it, but we had so many variations. But it's Packerbell's Canon. If we want to do it with an Aussie voice, I won't sing you a rendition, but all cello players have to play the same, I think, 12 notes over and over. <laughs> anyway, go on, Renata. Sorry, yeah. I digress. Now, in 1910, Mina married Earl Rand. This would be her first marriage, and he was a grocer, and she had a son by him, John, who was born in 1913. Now, remember John, because I'm going to refer to him later. I found my last nugget of gold with John. Oh, this is the only time I actually got to hear about John, yeah. so hmm, I'll be interested in that. Now, she divorced Rand in, in 1918, so that was a good eight years, mm. uh, but in the same year... Oh, same year? Same year, she same married a gentleman called Leroy Goddard Crandon. Oh, what a name. And he was a prominent Boston surgeon who was then serving as an officer at the local Navy hospital. And that's where she met him because she was working part-time as an ambulance driver. An ambulance driver? Yes. I didn't think they'd let ladies drive ambulances in those days. There you go. You have to drive recklessly as an ambulance. No, you don't. You're a very safe driver. (laughs) Now, Crandon had been married twice before. uh, So this was going to be his third marriage. And uh, Mina, or Marjorie, as um, we know her, was 14 years old. Uh, junior. Junior. Junior, yeah. yeah. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> so Leroy Goddard Crandon was a Harvard Medical School graduate and he was a surgeon at the Boston City Hospital and a Commodore of the Boston Yacht Club. Ew, a Commodore. So mm. he would have known many uppity people. <laughs> That's a technical term, that one. Yes. Uppity people. Yeah. Now, people who knew him described him as dour, autocratic, and suave with a morbid fear of death. Yes. Which is so bizarre. Yeah. Considering he was a surgeon. Yeah, because he, he, oh, you know who he is, he's Doc Martin. He had a, a fear of blood, you know. Yes. But, but he's got a fear of death. Yeah. And he, to me, when I was I reading I wonder this, if he's guilty about something, if something went wrong and he's got guilt. Well, let me tell you a story. Oh, oh but, please. Oh. Um, he... Sounded to me very much like the exact opposite of uh, Marjorie in character. Uh, yin and yang. Yeah. So I, I kind of, when I was reading through all of this, I wondered why Marjorie ever got in connection with him. But mm-hmm. I think it was his money. I really yeah, well, do. I mean, she's moved out of, because in those days you sort of married into the same type of family that you were born mm. into and she's stepped out of the country girl and gone into the city life with a, a surgeon. Yes, um, and just after a big world war. Yeah. Mm. Maybe that was his fascination. Anyway, Carl, you must have a story about that. I'll uh, leave you with that. Yes, yeah, so he had an unaristocratic nickname and he was called Buttonhole Crandon. Oh. And this was in reference to the apodectomies. Ap- Apodectomies that he did. So he did them through the belly button to avoid leaving a scar. So he was the first person to come up with buttonhole surgery. Mm. Or the little tiny holes that you just dig yes. through. Yes. But his career took a nosedive Uh-oh. when he operated on a pregnant woman because Uh-oh. he mi- misdiagnosed her as having cancer. Uh-oh. Now, because of that, she lost the child and she sued him and he quit. Right. So there is guilt. There's your guilt. Yeah. Now, Mina uh, was born Mina Stinson, and we went through, you know, she's Canadian, she's pretty, she's vivacious, she's athletic, and she was eager as all hell to hang on to her sugar daddy. Mm -hmm. So at some point in time. True love, Renata, true love. You know, it was at some point in time, something for her also created a shift of going, what can I do to make this work? What can I do to make this work? Because he had just dumped his career. Yeah, how's she going to make money? Yeah, and they would have had to make money. So Crandon was considered uh, a rationalist until he attended a lecture by Oliver Lodge, and we we heard about him, um, and he was a British physicist, and he wrote a best-selling book in 1916 called Raymond, um, Life or, or Life and Death, and that described mediumistic co- contacts with a son killed in battle. And I actually got that book when I was oh, I um, remember yes, yes. O- overseas um, in Hay on Y. That's right, in the town of. Bookstores. Yes. I thought we'd died and gone to the proverbial heaven there. And it was as heavy as all hell because it was quite big. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And I can understand after reading that book myself how Crandon may have changed the way he thought about all of this. Yeah, because sometimes reading a book 
can change the way you think. Absolutely. Does it mean it's right? Yeah. Don't know, but it makes you think outside the box. And it gave him a way of redirecting his fear of death mm-hmm. because the spiritualists were saying there is something after that. Yeah. Yeah. Death is not the end. Mm-hmm. Now, he was also influenced by Mark W. Richardson, who was a fellow physician and professor of medicine at Harvard. So they were friends. Uh, and he convinced uh, him to attend a mediumistic sitting with his two young sons. I'm um, oh, sorry, that his two young sons, fatally struck by polio in 1909, oh. still lived as spirits. So yeah. this fellow, Mark W. Richardson, wanted to say to Crandon, look, I've been speaking to my sons, come to this mediumship yeah. seance and you'll see, you'll see this magic you happen. don't need to fear death any longer, mm-hmm. Leroy. Leroy. So following this experience with the medium, he proposed that the couple hold a seance at their home and they had a table built for the purpose similar to the one that Crawford had constructed in his home in Belfast. Now he wrote, six of us sat in red light. The table began to tilt and have wraps almost at once. And by elimination, we quickly discovered who was to blame. It was Marjorie who had become a medium. Oh, okay. So when they say to blame, they're not saying she was faking it, but she was the channel. She was the channel. So Marjorie was known to rap on tables. She stopped watches. She produced live pigeons. (laughs) Voila! And began talking to her dead brother, Walter. I don't want to look at her her pigeon coop. (laughs) (laughs) After reading a lot about Marjorie, I do not want to see the pigeon coop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Um, Yes, so Walter was the the connection Mm -hmm. on the other side. Mm -hmm. Now, Walter sounded a lot like Mina, only with a husky voice. (laughs) Well, they were related. And apparently he had the vocabulary that would make a sailor blush. (gasps) I think think more than anything he said the word shit a lot. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh no! Do we need to beep that? <laughs> I don't know. We did put a we did put a warning at the start so the kitty shouldn't be listening. Yeah. So this started to draw a lot of attention, um, and Mina's seances were always a sellout. Hey, we're making money. Oh, it's a sellout. Yes. I see. And of course, they've got the right criteria of people who are willing to part with their cash for something quite interesting like mm-hmm. this. To you know, and to if watch. it was as you said, just after a war, yes. it's going to be a lot of people who have lost their loved ones. Absolutely. So um, Leroy took Mina to London. Uh, to see Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was the creator of Sherlock Holmes, and he was a believer in spiritualism. And Mina convinced him of her paranormal abilities, and he became one of her biggest supporters. So as she grew and more and more famous, she got a very um, unusual nickname, the Witch of Lime Street. Yeah. And that's because they lived at 10 Lime Street. Lime Street. Yeah. Now, but she um, was magical and, and people... You know, thought there was occult things happening there, so she was deemed a witch. Yes. But it's sort of not used so much as a derogatory thing, was it? It was more just like, oh, there's that witchy person. Yes, yes. <coughs> uh, I don't Sorry. know how much I can get into... Um... Well, how about I can jump into my stuff and you can add bits and pieces in as we go. Yeah. Because with these things, it's sort of like more of a discussion than it is, here's this half and that's your 
the other half. Yeah. But if you've got more to add, keep going. Oh, well, I'll just add a little bit more um, and it gets just saucier and saucier. Mm-hmm. Now, sittings were held in uh, conditions of various uh, red light, ordinary light, and complete darkness. Uh, Mina's power of movement was constrained by people beside her, one of whom was usually Crandon, her husband, who mm-hmm. was holding her hands. Um, now, Lovely. I'm just going to say that Crandon Leroy was her greatest promoter. Yes. And he would often show visitors nude photographs of his wife in seance. I... You know, I have that in my notes too. And I'm just going, I I don't... I don't understand. I don't understand. No, no. Why Unless would you do that? Unless he's completely loopy. He's lost his marbles completely. I, You can be proud of your wife. But in that day and age, yes. you don't put nude photos up. No. Say, check out this. Do you want to see a pigeon coop? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, uh, yeah. But she would have had to agree to this. Yeah. She would have had to agree to this, so it's. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Did she have the photos taken, and then um, just for for proof? And he's gone. Oh, I need to show this to people. I just, I'd love to have seen the expression on the photographer's face. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want me to do what? Okay, so luminous bands were worn by Mina on her wrists and ankles by the controllers. Uh, at, on and by the controllers on their wrists and that would reveal any motion in the darkness so if you can imagine uh, people sitting there with like light bands on mm-hmm. or luminous bands people that would be watching mm-hmm. uh, would obviously see any movement that was going on yeah so sometimes Mina sat within a wooden cabinet uh, an enclosed space that was commonly thought to help facilitate physical mediumship contains the energy for the energy to build yes uh, and besides spoken communication by Walter, phenomena witnessed do, do, in do, do, early do. settings were described as follows. So I'm going to read out a couple of things that okay. she did. I had some of these, so that you keep going because mm-hmm. I've got plenty to talk about. So wraps varying in force from the tap of a fingernail to the click of a heavy boot, wraps which answered questions coherently through a code of about eight words, lights two to five inches in diameter, pale, non-radiant, non-illuminating, extremely mobile, scents of many odours like perfumes, musical sounds, chimes, bugles, clock bells and other instruments, though none was in the room, movement of furniture, smashing of the cabinet, lifting of the table with a sitter on it, balancing an unequally loaded scale inside a celluloid cover, passage of matter through matter, a ports of roses and of a live pigeon movements <laughs> those roses couldn't have had any um thorns i'm yeah. just saying don't, don't sniff uh, them movement of luminous objects visible to all cities <laughs> now an electric bell enclosed within a box and activated by a wooden flap placed at a distance from the medium was often heard to ring ding, ding. the weighted side of a chemical balance scale also out of her reach was seen to rise automatic writing was produced in nine different languages including greek and chinese mm-hmm. uh, now of particular note was an ectoplasmic substance said to exude from mina's body in conditions of total darkness 
gloved shaped wax molds were said to be obtained by Walter submerging his temporarily materialized hands in warm paraffin wax. So it was the husband that created them. The, the other Crandon. Mm. Yeah. Now, photographs were taken of various phenomena, including do, do, Walter's do, do, hand do. ringing the bell and a third arm and hand. Now, um, the whole thing was uh, Walter being uh, Mina's communicator on the other side. So he would communicate vocally um, either through her uh, when she was entranced or independently through a trumpet-shaped cone. Um his voice deepened over time. So it started off as faint whispers and developed over four months into a loud, hoarse, masculine voice, which is very, very, very interesting. Now, um, she was not only investigated by Harry Houdini. She had had nine other people investigate yeah. her. So there was someone there all the time, and, and these were big people. So let me just say uh, very quickly, 1924, Harvard psychology professor William McDougall, who said it was inconclusive, he couldn't find or, or, or kind of note what was the thing that was fake or real. Then there was in 1924, Scientific American uh, led by uh, McDougall, which also found inconclusive evidence. 1924, Eric Dingwall, British psychical researcher, inconclusive. 1925, Code and Hoagland, they were Harvard students. They said it was unfavorable. 1926, J.B. Ryan yep. and Louisa Ryan, the American psychologists yep. who now the, the, the Ryan Institute is named after them, they said unfavorable. Oh, that's very kind of you. Mm -hmm. um, did you know that she actually did a total of 90 sittings between April and July of 1924. Oh, my God. 90 sittings. Wow. So how many is she cracking out a week? He was working hard. Oh, I bet she had a rash. Now, 1926, Robert J. Tilliard, who was an Australian biologist, also oh, checked Australian. her out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He said it was favourable. 1926, Glenn Hamilton, Canadian physician, favourable. 1926, McComas, Dunlap and Wood, American psychology and physics professors, unfavourable. And 1927, Hamlin Garland, American author and f f psychical researcher, favourable. So just to finish my part off, uh, in 1939, Leroy Crandon, aged 57, died of complications from a fall. So he was still really young. Yeah. And by I was going to say uh, younger than me, but I'm, I'm way younger than that, aren't I, Renata? <laughs> now, by this time, Mina was known to have a tendency to have a bit of a sip of the old alcohol. She'd like to uh, work with spirit, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And after his death, who she relied on, you know, wholeheartedly, she rarely hit the bottle. And her last sittings were described by her longtime friend, Nandor Fordor, mm -hmm. as being absolutely pitiful. Oh. So I think he would have said to her, Mina, give it up. Please Time give it up. Yeah. So she died on the 1st of November 1941 of complications of chronic alcoholism, oh. aged just 54. Oh, dear. Mm. 
Is that it? That is it. Your turn now. I've left all the juicy stuff to you. Okay. Well, I may need just to go over a little bit of the uh, phenomena, just so you get a sense of who we're working with here before I head into the juicy stuff. Just so you get an idea of what one of her seances were like. Um, Now, Walter, her brother, is the uh, communicator, just like Derek Okora had, uh, what was his? You know, the um, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about him in the last investigation. Sam! Sam! Well, this Walter is her Sam. Uh, so he was very protective of his baby sister, as he liked to call her the kid. Um, he was very witty, bolder, ruder, and quite temperamental. So when you had all of these uh, other mediums who, and like the ones we've gone to, have all produced these messages of love and light. Yes, and, I was and just going to say that. He yeah. wasn't. He was rude. <laughs> I think I would have liked Walter. Uh, so, yeah, they, and they produced this phenomena in red light. Mm. But there were some things that they didn't do in red light. Mm -hmm. And we know from the seances we have been to that you normally have to do everything in complete darkness because Mm -hmm. the light is supposed to interfere with the uh, energy that is building and forming and manipulating. There's also uh, the rules with the medium that is producing ectoplasm. So ectoplasm is a substance produced from the physical medium's body. Uh, it it's, doesn't come out of thin air. It's created from the physical medium. And the rules with that is you cannot touch it mm-hmm. because if you touch it, it will snap back violently into the medium's body and possibly kill them or uh, leave them quite injured. Mm -hmm. And I know one of the mediums that we went to see, that had happened to that medium, and uh, they even had photos of this giant red mark on their chest where somebody had touched the ectoplasm and it snapped back into their body, and apparently they were quite unwell for days. Mm. I'm not going to mention particular mediums because that's not my job here today. I just want to tell you the experiences that we have had. And you may hear a little bit of sarcasm here and there. That's for you to interpret. Um, A typical (laughs) seance went like this. I've tried to be as polite as I can. Uh, the sitters would sit in a circle in the Crandon's parlour. Now they'd hold hands, uh, some psychic investigators would also hold down Mina's feet mm-hmm. to make sure she wasn't, you know, poking her toes into things. Uh, Mina would go off quiet and nod off into a trance um, or she would sit still waiting like the others and then they would get this whistle. This whistle would cut through the air announcing that Walter was on the scene. Now, apparently Mina was never able to whistle. Uh, You described the voice being very different to Mina's, but apparently at the beginning it was quite similar, but it's supposed to be quite... Now, it's also heard from different places in the room. Mm -hmm. So she was being held Mm -hmm. and allegedly known where they were, Mm -hmm. but there would there'd be people that would have them whisper in their ear or it would appear from the other side of the room. Uh, They would curse, crack jokes, sing along to hit tunes. um, And suddenly the Victrola, the music machine, record player, would start playing music uh, and he would sing along to it. Even when 
everyone at the table had their mouths full of water, including the medium themselves. So mm-hmm. not just the medium, everyone. So mm-hmm. that was allegedly to show that there was nobody else in the room mm. that was doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I like their controls. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to controls, I can be very picky because another one of these seances we went to, I they went to great troubles to have someone go and check the room and make sure there was nothing hidden anywhere. And I was chosen at once. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary stage and I, I went through and I knew that room quite well and I noticed there was a bucket that had been taped to the floor and I said can I look under that bucket she said oh but we've already put it in place I said well how can I do the protocol if I can't look at everything she said oh yeah I don't need to worry about that mm-hmm. so that immediately puts suspicion into your mind absolutely uh, vocal productions were no means the only way Walter impressed me and his guests. Um, again, rigorous scientific tests and controls. I don't know. He made tables lurch, rear up on hind legs like a dog, chase people out of the room in the hallway. But we've had that happen. We've had weird stuff happen with the tables. Yes. Uh, pinched, poked, uh, removed delicate pins from hair, blasted people with cold air in closed rooms. Mm. We saw a video of... Uh, a physical medium that uh, was supposed to make uh, cool air rush around the room mm-hmm. and somebody had put in a uh, IR camera 
unknowns to them, and they had taken their T-shirt off and they were whipping it around their head in, on the IR camera to make a breeze. But yes. the question is, this person was restrained in cable ties which were cut off and somebody holds the end of those cable types to make sure that they haven't been tampered with and they're cut, they're in tight. How do they get out of the cable ties and get back into them so they're in the same position? I don't know. I'm sure there's people who can instruct me on how to do that. But yeah, so this is some of the phenomena setting the scene for you. Now, Renata, you just raised something important as I was quickly grabbing my notes. Um that the when this stuff happens with these physical mediums that it doesn't necessarily damage no, their career no and this was mentioned with Mina or Marjorie um, as we call her um, it was mentioned in the notes that I read that it sort of didn't damage her reputation when things were found out about her. No, more people came to see for themselves, probably. That's, that's right. And we found that with the... The loyal followers. The the person that you had just mentioned, mm. that after that... And there's more than one of them. There's yeah. many of them. And once one gets called out, all of a sudden the daggers come out for all the others and the truth starts to be revealed about each one of the other physical mediums yep. and the, the stuff that they get up but to. But they all, like you said have really loyal followers they and do it becomes an us and them fight yep. yeah all right so uh continuing on we talked about the automatic writing and the different languages and we talked about the gloved hand now mina was very willing to continually be submitted to further and further controls and you know people would say you know you've got to get in this box or you've got to wear this suit she would keep going yep sure not a problem uh but she was also a highly intelligent and charming woman, exceedingly good-natured and possessed a, a fund of humour and courage which made her an ideal subject for investigation. Mm. So it sounds a little bit like she might be charming. Very charming, mm. we found out. Some of the other controls that they did is that they had somebody put a hand over the psychic's mouth and still the voice would come out. They'd filled the mouth with water, still the voice came out. And there was even um, a device they created called a voice cutout machine. Yes. Which was a long tube into which Mina blew in order to support two... <coughs> tiny luminescent spheres that would be seen to drop if she opened her lips to speak. Yes. So that's like those um, things they test your, your breath flow and you've yeah. got to blow into it. You've got to hold the balls up, mm-hmm. so to speak. <laughs> so how did she, how did it well, happen? Worry. We'll get there. Oh, it, no. it's, it's all real, Renata. <sighs> uh, so some people, like these are all different investigators coming through, giving their reports. Mm-hmm. Some, one of the investigators said that the voice was mainly coming from within the cabinet or close to it. But if they requested, it could be heard up to eight feet away from her. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to have people running around doing things for yeah. you, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. Uh, oh, I've got so many notes now that I've just got to jump over to make sure that I don't double up too much on what you've said. Um, yeah, I did that about the voice. Uh, it was absolutely fascinating and startling to hear him wander about the room. At times, his voice would be close to my ear, whispering some personal comment about me or my family. Other times, it would be far corner of the room or from outside the room, beyond the door, uh, piled waist high with books. So they'd, they'd 
barricade the room Mm -hmm. to stop people coming in as well. Or sometimes the voice came from the centre of the table. Now, this is a description of Mina. Uh, When Mrs. Crandon was presented, she would be completely upset. She would completely upset all preconceptions of the famous medium. Very attractive blonde with a charming expression and excellent figure. This is not the one you read, is it? No. No. Uh, the Witch of Lime Street. And if you get the chance to read that book, Houdini and the Witch of Lime, Lime Street, this is what brought me to this topic. It's a great book to read. Um, so she proved to be a thoroughly feminine lady, frequently treated to dinner, warmed with wine and pleasant conversation. The sitters were given a short talk by Crandon, Mr. Crandon, I assume, in his quiet, well well-modulated voice and show photographs of teleplasmic manifestations <laughs> from her bits. They <laughs> might then meet Dr. Mark Richards. So you can't fail uh, to uh, to not... You, sorry, let me get these words out. You could not fail to like him. Um, so there's members of the advanced circle. And now we have this as well yes. to be in that inner circle. Yeah. It's very desirous. And once you get into that inner circle, you believe everything that's happening. That's correct. To the detriment of other people sometimes. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Now we go on to Houdini. I'm sorry, I'm, we're not sure how long this episode's going to be because we've been having troubles with a digital recorder here and it keeps cutting out on us. Um, one, you know he said about Dr. Crandon had this fascination with death. Yes. Apparently one of the reasons why Marjorie started the seance as a hobby was to distract her husband from his morbid obsession by giving him the idea that there was hope. Yes. So that was mm-hmm. her way of um, coping with it. But mm-hmm. I think on, it was more than that, but never mind. Yeah, June 23rd, <coughs> 1924, her name was submitted as a candidate for a prize offered by Scientific America magazine to any medium who could demonstrate telekinetic ability under scientific controls. Mm. Now, because she had a husband who was a doctor uh, and she was very charming and there was apparently no interest in personal monetary reward because they looked at her as a doctor's wife. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't know that he'd quit. Um, she seemed to be a very honest person to the public eye mm-hmm. and she would have all sorts of people in her seance. She'd have the middle class as well as well-known people of the upper Boston Society, the Ivy League. She'd have famous supporters like uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, as you mentioned. Uh, So once they decided that they were going to test her to see if she was going to be awarded the prize, they sent through that uh, list of people that you mentioned earlier. Um, Now, at some stage or other, they they didn't have everyone there, but they sent through several to test her. One of the people was... Was it Michael? Anyway, there was a J. Malcolm Bird, who was an employee of Scientific American, but not on the prize committee. He got hold of Houdini and said, it's it's looking like Marjorie's going to win the prize. Mm-hmm. She, it's looking like she's the real deal. So husband, uh, husband Houdini went, I doubt it very much. And he attended two seances in Boston at... Uh, Marjorie's home on the 23rd and 24th of July in 1924 and claimed to observe Crandon's tricks. 
he was onto it straight away. According to Houdini, Crandon escaped the control, stretched her foot to ring a bell in the seance room. Uh, so Houdini told the committee that it was all fraud, gave them a practical demonstration of how she was doing it, and it actually became part of his act that he would go around and demonstrate what Marjorie was doing to humiliate her. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I need to mention here that... Uh, we have Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Houdini, who were best mates. Not for long. Not for long, <laughs> because Houdini desperately wanted to believe that mediums were true because he'd lost his mother, who he was just totally devoted to, and wanted to get a message from his mother. But yeah. nobody could come up with the goods, and he became bitter yeah. and twisted towards any sort of psychic or medium, and it became his life's purpose to discredit them, yeah. no matter the cost. Yeah. So, um, Houdini then wanted to uh, put her into an apparatus which prevented her from using the legs. It was a large cabinet box leaving only her head and her hand sticking out. So, think of a hot box where you sweat yourself out. Um, and they had 25th of August, Comstock and Houdini in the seance with Crandon placed in the, the cabinet. They had a box with a bell placed on a table in front of the cabinet. Now, during the seance, the bell made a noise. When the lights were turned on, it was shown that the lid of the cabinet box had been forced open. And then Houdini claimed that um, Crandon had cheated and had rung the bell himself. So the husband. So part of the problem with the control is that they had the husband holding her hand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have seen this in other seances as well, where a wife or a partner or a a boyfriend or girlfriend would hold the hand of the person. Yes. Yes. That's not good controls for me. There should be someone next to them that is not involved. But the explanation is that they are there to make sure that the um, psychic medium person is always safe. Oh, I know. I know. But it also leaves it open to fraud. Yeah. So then we're up to the 27th of August. Comstock, um, uh, one of the investigators who were looking mm-hmm. for her for the prize, uh, wanted to put her into a median, not medium, but median control, which was a device consisting of a box. Um, the investigator would put their f- uh, they'd put their feet into it, and connecting to the box was a board which was locked up to the top of the knees, preventing withdrawal of the feet. So now they're going to stop her using her feet. Mm-hmm. Crandon's hands were held by the investigator and the box with the bell was placed outside of the control box. Again, she agreed to be tested like this. But in this particular case, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. There was no phenomena. And based on that, Marjorie did not win the prize. Now, there is some contention here that during the seance with this cabinet box that Houdini made for her, um, apparently she requested the sides be closed so she could move her hands and feet freely around inside the cabinet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But later on at the end of the seance, they found a collapsible ruler inside of the cabinet. Houdini immediately has gone, that's it. That's proof. Crandon's used the ruler to ring that bloody bell. Um, 
In response, uh, the Crandons then accused Houdini and the assistant Jim Collins of placing the ruler inside the cabinet to discredit her Mm -hmm. because there is no way on this earth Houdini could ever have anyone prove that they were a medium because that would make him look like a fool. And this is one of the things with this sort of phenomena. Just because you can recreate it Mm -hmm. and show that it can be faked does not mean... That it is fate. Yes. It means yeah. it possibly can be. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. And we found this when we were going through our seance period too and going to see these people, that there were certainly things that you could not get your head around and mm-hmm. go, how, how did that happen? Now, that's not saying everything would could be faked in a session but the problem with all of this as we've seen over the years is that the game would level up continuously and these people who were stuck in these positions as psychics and mediums had to be more and more interesting and more and more out there because other people were doing better yeah and so their tricks had to improve all the time. Yeah. And so remember you ma- this conversation, everyone. Remember this because Be- I'm going to come back to this. Because you may have had those interesting things occurring, which were really, really, um, phys- you know, the physical true phenomena. phenomena. The, the true, true phenomena, phenomena has been hidden. Because of the fake phenomena. Yeah. But so, it, therefore, it, it, it loses its its magic. Yeah. It wasn't good enough because other people were doing even more extraordinary oh, this things. This is even happening on YouTube and TikTok now as people keep trying to outdo each other with their pranks and their jokes and yeah. their videos. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're going to run out of time. Yeah, I just want to go back and, and just remind people of the time that all of this is happening in a time when there's no TV, in yeah, a time bored. when there uh, is no um, kind of way of really researching things for yourself as we have now on the internet where we can go in and find out all the information that we want about everyone and anybody um, a lot of people would have come to these things with a completely open mind and yeah. believed every single thing that was going on absolutely interestingly in regards to the assistant with the ruler in 1959 author William Lindsay Gresham accused Collins of placing the ruler and quoted him as saying I chucked it in the box myself the boss told me to do it he wanted to fix her good Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but then later on he said he never said that so who do you believe who has the truth Nobody really knows. Uh, now, we also have the American Society of Psychical Research, who was taken over by the spiritualism movement, and they championed Crandon. They thought she was wonderful, and they actually suppressed any reports that were unfavorable towards her. Mm-hmm. So do you have the information about the dalliances that she I, had? Get, I'm, getting there, okay. I'm getting there. No. Look, okay. I've still got pages and pages of notes. <laughs> uh, so she did perform um, many seances in the nude. Um, There were some people who described her as being too attractive for her own good. Mm. Uh, It may have been uh, suggested that some of the psychical investigators um, may have had some dalliances with her. They were just checking for concealed. They were. They were looking in that pigeon coop. Had to check out the, it, was, it was feathers. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, 
so there was a suggestion that uh, Jay Malcolm Bird, who was the one telling Houdini she was going to get the prize, um, you know, she was having a fling with him, but apparently she didn't like him, thought he was repulsive. Uh, but she did have a thing for here with Carrington, mm. and she was supposed to have had an affair with him. Now, interestingly, one of the supporters, he happened to borrow some money which he was unable to repay. Mm-hmm. Wow. So is that a bit of, you owe us money, remember? Mm-hmm. Can't say that for sure. No. But anyway, she was... In the nude, um, sometimes she would put some luminous powder on her breasts <laughs> so you could see where her breasts were yes, you do. at all times. Um, there was a historian also that, uh, what was this, noted that Bird, Carrington and Dingwall were all personally involved with Crandon. They were biased and unreliable witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um then, of course, we've got Dr. Ryan turning up, Joseph Banks Ryan, and he just said it's trickery. It's not even worthwhile looking at. Why are you looking at this woman? She gets free of the control, and uh, he said that she kicked a megaphone to give the impression that it was levitating. Yes. Now, there was also an English teacher that came on the scene, Grant Code. He used to come quite often to the seances and he believed wholeheartedly. And then he started to realise that maybe this was all fraudulent as well. Uh, I'm just going to make sure that I've covered everything I need. Oh, there's one stage she put a luminescent star on her forehead so that she could work out where her her face was in the dark. Now, a few minutes into the seance, a narrow dark rod appeared over a luminous checkerboard which had been placed on the table opposite Crandon. It moved from side to side, picked up an object. Uh, As it passed in front of Wood, he lightly touched it with the tip of his finger and followed it back to a point very near Crandon's mouth. It was thought that they were holding a rod in their teeth. Now, he grabbed the end of the tip and pinched it. And he said that it felt like a knitting needle covered with one or two layers of soft leather. And that's where they went into the whole thing about the uh, ectoplasm. You can't touch it and all that sort of stuff. But Mm -hmm. at the end of this session, Wood had to dictate what his experiences were during the seance, so he dictated to the stenographer that exactly what had happened and what he felt. Apparently, Crandon shrieked and fainted on the spot and had to be carried out of the room and the committee was asked to bugger off (sighs) and he was never allowed to come back again. It, um, uh, they concluded the rod was an animal intestine been stuffed with cotton and stiffened with wire. Uh, as you said, that once her husband died, everything started to go downhill. She was an alcoholic. She went into a deep depression. And one of her last seances, she attempted to jump off the roof of the house. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dear. Yeah. So the, the hand is a very famous thing. This hand that they've got the photograph of, which was a plaster mold that's been created by the husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not at all, sus. Uh, according to the photographs people looked at, they said it resembles animal tissues and a trachea, trachea cut and sewn together. Um, he was a doctor. He was a doctor. Mm-hmm. So he has the ability to get his hands on this sort of stuff yeah. or animals and, and stitch things together. 
Uh, she refused to wear tights or to be internally searched, so she was not allowed to have her chicken coop or her pigeon coop checked. Um, so this is a good one. You'll like this. Uh, Crandon had surgically altered... Um, oh, where was it? Oh, got to find it. Hang on. Oh, I found it. I found it. Okay. Allegations were made by some conjuring historians of Houdini and mediumship that her surgeon husband had altered her genitalia and this was where she concealed the teleplastic hand. <laughs> He'd stitched a fake hand on there. No. No. Can, can you see how it's going too far the other way yeah. to prove that yeah. this is not real. I look, I don't blame her for saying, no, you're not putting your fingers up there. No. That's just inappropriate. But that's apparently what was happening to these women who yeah. were in this position. Yes. There was a demand that they be completely searched. And it's normally the men that wanted to do it. Absolutely. Except for this other one I researched, but we'll talk about that another Ooh, day. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, I've got to find where I'm up to. I got all excited, got lost. I've just got to add a little bit of intrigue here. We were talking about um, Bird was one of the people that was involved in this. Uh, he... Part of Bird's rejected report to the ASPR, who I said was trying to hide things, the occasion was one of Houdini's visits to Boston for the purpose of the sitting. Uh, she, Marjorie, sought a private interview with me and tried to get me to agree in the event the phenomena did not occur that I would ring the bell box myself or produce something else that might pass as activity by Walter. It seems to me of paramount importance in that it shows her fully conscious and fully normal in a situation where she thought she might have to choose between fraud and a blank seance and she was willing to choose fraud. fraud. Mm. <sighs> I wonder also how much deep poop they were in financially at that stage. Yeah. I know they were making money, but there's still only a certain amount of money you can make from seances, really. Yeah. Especially when all of this is going on in the background. Now, I'm, I'm winding it up now because we've <laughs> there's so much more I could talk about, but she didn't get the prize. Uh, but that didn't slow her down. Uh, kept holding seances, as you said, inviting yeah. All the doubters to come and check her out. Um, investigators. Oh, there was something about a luminous jumping paper donut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one investigator reported that he witnessed Marjorie reaching beneath her dress and pulling out strands of fake ectoplasm, which appeared to be butcher's offal. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's not where you store that stuff, oh. love. Now, this is a really interesting thing. Meanwhile, Marjorie supporters went on the offensive, threatening to beat Houdini to a pulp and rooting for his demise. Mm -hmm. The escape artist continued to defy death in stage shows, locked, bolted, changed in coffins, submerged in waters, buried six feet under in sand each time he escaped. But Marjorie... Not Marjorie. Walter. Sorry, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, Walter said, don't worry about it. Houdini will be gone by Halloween. Yes. In fact, Houdini 
died in agony on the afternoon of October 31st, 1926 from septic poisoning because he had offered, he used to say to people, you know, punch me in my stomach, you know, it doesn't affect me. But he, he said, you know, punch me, but he didn't get the chance to actually prepare his muscles to with to yeah. withstand it. Yeah. And he got a punch and his appendix burst and he got a fatal infection Although he still refused to admit that there was anything wrong with him, he died. Which means that prediction was true. Yeah, they did say that they believed that Mina cursed him. Well... Well, Walter cursed him. Yeah. Yeah, so what what do we believe with that? Mm. Does that mean that he has ability? Or the, the spirit guide? I'm just getting, I'm rattling around trying to find my last bit of paper. The very, very end, it's entitled. Towards the end of Mina's career, Walter spoke through another medium. Did you know about this? No. So, Elaine Garrett. Ah. An Irish psychic had that channeled messages and information. Without knowing who Mina was, Elaine identified her as a powerful medium. Mm-hmm. and spoke with the voice of a young man who addressed Mina as kid, who mm-hmm. Walter used to call her, and correctly identified the name of their childhood dog. Mm-hmm. Mina's heart must have stopped in her throat when she heard his message. Kid, you certainly are an old fraud, but I am in on it. Oh, now, wow. my final statement. Mina's son... Yeah. Remember I said Mina's yes. son? Who we haven't heard of at no, all. No, he had, the, the, according to this article, had the dubious honour of growing up around all of the supernatural hullabaloo, said of his mother that some of it had been real, especially at the beginning. Yeah. The full knowledge of just how much of it has died with Mina and you'll never know what was real and what wasn't. Wow. And this is a really sad part about it. Yeah. Because some of these people have real abilities. Yep. Real amazing abilities, but it's overshadowed by the needs and the wants of uh, everyone else around them. Yep. And performance, needing to perform and needing to make things bigger, better, glossier, brighter, shinier. Yeah. Yeah. So, Renato, is it a true haunting? Is this real, the physical mediumship channeling the spirit of Walter? It, uh, I want to believe that it could have been real at the very mm. beginning until things changed. Things went awry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that she's gone to that first seance and had that experience and you, you go away and you start working in your own circle yourself and maybe they did have some phenomena to start with. Mm-hmm. But to keep up with the others, mm-hmm. especially when all of a sudden you're in the papers and yes. you're you're gaining fame and they've got people coming in to disprove you, yes. you're going to do anything to keep yeah. your reputation. Yeah, uh, Especially with Crandon because yeah. he was a well-known person and it is said that he loved the attention yeah. that he was still getting yeah. uh, from all of this. I, I can't say it's real or not because I will never know. Yeah. We will never know. I hope that there was something that was real. Yeah, I do. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this one. I hope you like the direction we've gone with this one. Let 
us know if you want to hear more on the physical mediums of the spiritualism because I tell you there's some doozies out there uh, but if you want to support our work don't forget you can become a Patreon especially a Grand Poo Bar to get all the inside goss and two lots of readings a, a month and little catch ups when we're going live but uh, you can also buy us a coffee all those links will be down below thanks for being here we'll see you on the dark side remember to stay spooky and don't, don't be, be a dickhead, dickhead. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.